It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Be sure to check out our merchandise store, too, on thefinside.threadless.com. Paul, this past week I said this could be the biggest Dolphins game in the last 10 years and did not come through today, to say the least. Dolphins dropped this game 38-7 to to the New England Patriots. No other way to say it than just a pathetic performance up there in Foxborough. First play of the game, Ryan Tannehill drops back, delivers a 22-yard strike to Kenny Stills, and the Dolphins have the ball at midfield. And that's the last time I remember being happy. First drive of the game ends a couple plays later on a punt. Second drive ends on a punt. Third drive, three and out. Fourth drive, three and out. Next drive, fumble. Then three and out, three and out, three and out. And then interception. You get the story there. Dolphins are losing at that point 24 to nothing. It's 31 to nothing at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So everybody really got the gist of it, saw the game. Dolphins are still in first place, but terrible performance here today, Paul. It was a rough one. I mean, the only thing I could say that I was happy with completely, uh, other than uh, that, that first play of the first drive, was I did like the, the performance from Vincent Taylor. Um, I thought our defensive ends were decent at times and the Bobby McCain interception before he got hurt beyond that. It it was a cluster. I mean, I'm not going to fully blame this, but I do have to say it. I was a little disgusted with the officials, which, you know, I I think we can both say here, the phantom holding call on Xavier Howard that extended an early Patriots drive that they scored on the, pick play, which after watching the Dolphins get called for bogus rub plays last week, seeing a blatant pick play like we saw that sprung uh, what's-his-face there for for the Patriots for a touchdown on another drive, seeing bad call after bad call in the first half, and then the, the Dolphins not being able to get anything rolling with what I can only describe as vanilla play calling. Yeah, I I don't understand it. I don't understand it with the vanilla play calling, like you said. I mean, it it makes no sense to me that let's look back at last week. The Dolphins in the first three quarters against the Raiders score seven points, look very, very vanilla on offense, and then in the fourth quarter they pull out their bag of tricks. They use all these players in motion. You've got Albert Wilson take an end around, throwing it to Jakeem Grant. You've got these shovel passes that are going the distance. It seems like the Dolphins really hit on something in the fourth quarter of last week's game against the Raiders. Then you come into New England, and you don't do any of that. It it doesn't make any sense, and it blows my mind why Adam Gase thought that this very, very simple offense was going to accomplish anything up in Foxborough. Yeah, it's – I mean – Three big things in this game were the officiating, as I already touched on, the vanilla play calling, and really just like you touched on, it's Miami found a bread and butter that works, and hopefully Gase uses this as an opportunity for himself to learn here, which is 
you know, you do exciting things, you do exotic motions, teams get back on their heels and you can do a lot of special things, both in your vanilla play calls, which become more effective, as well as when you put those wrinkles in, the ones that keep defenses on their toes, make the guys have to think. And, you know, one thing I'd like to see Miami do here, and this is something I know New England does, it's no secret here. Miami needs to dedicate a few hours each week. Take a look at what the officiating crew is that comes in and look how they call specific penalties. Because I'm sick and tired of my, you know, Miami got away from running plays that were even close to a rough play in this one to spring their wide receivers when they were struggling to get separation for some odd reason. And, you know, the Patriots' defensive backs were manhandling them all the way down the field half the time and not getting called yet. Miami doesn't do those things. And that's that's one of the things I think that helps the Patriots get the calls that they do. I'm not going to say the league is loaded and blah, 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 but the Pats study the officiating crews and the way they call it and tweak little ways that they do things each week based around those officiating crews. Miami needs to start doing that because I'm sick and tired of these bogus penalties where these guys are like, wait, what is this? And they, they don't have a clue here. Officiating crews are supposed to be static, but they're still human. They still call plays different ways based upon the personnel and what they do and things like that. So Miami needs to start studying that. And that'll be another thing that's the next step. Good thing that you pointed out, Miami's still in first place. Hopefully this is a learning experience and a wake-up call for these guys. Well, I, Paul, I got to say, I mean, we're, we've, we've been on for about five minutes and you've spent about two minutes talking about the officiating. And I've got to say, the Dolphins lost by 31 points here today. I mean, this was, and, and I'll tell you, I'll even go a step further. This should have been worse. I mean, it's, it's 38 to nothing at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And the Patriots then start running the football and really running out the clock. The Dolphins only got seven points because Brock Osweiler came in and dumped a few passes off to get him to seven points. This could have been a 52 to nothing game here. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with what you say about the penalty, but I think the Dolphins could have got every penalty in the book and the Patriots still would have wiped the floor with them here today. So anything well, else you want to, you want to add on to, yeah. to what we've talked about well, here? No, no, and 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 you know, I, I don't want folks to think I'm just blaming the officiating. The Dolphins came out flat. The vanilla play calling doesn't get anything done for anybody. They've got guys with a particular set of skills, and they didn't utilize those today. I mean, and, and really, as it started to snowball, instead of stepping up to the plate, the Dolphins tucked tail in this game. Not all of them, not everybody, but I, I think our grades are going to reflect the fact that they tucked tail. And, yeah, Brock got a few points at the end. I don't want to hear anybody start calling for Brock Osweiler, quarterback. I'm sorry. You know, it, it's they got a few plays at the end when, when the Patriots got into a much looser defense and had a gigantic lead in garbage time. So let's, let's not say that Brock Osweiler came in and took control of this game. He didn't. Most of that drive was suddenly Miami could run the ball because, yeah, the Pats were in a dime or a nickel formation most of the time. Yeah, I mean Osweiler's terrible. I mean there's and he dumped the ball off, which is the only thing he can really do. And yeah, Ryan Tannehill obviously a game to forget from him. Uh, 11 for 20, 100 yards was actually yanked at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I've also got to say too that 
from what I saw in the game, even though Tannehill clearly didn't play well, he didn't do anything to better the team, I didn't see receivers getting open. I mean, schematically and in terms of matching up one-on-one, the Patriots were prepared for anything that the Dolphins threw their way. Uh, so, But still, Ryan Tannehill yanked from the game, 11 for, for 20, 100 yards, didn't put any points on the board, needs to be better. I mean, there's no better way to say it. So here with here at quarterback, I'm going to start out by, by giving Tannehill a D plus. Uh, you're one up on me again here. I'm, I'm going to go with a D for the guy. It's he couldn't get anything rolling today. Yeah. The play calling was vanilla, but he didn't do anything to better this team in this game. Yeah. Running back. It doesn't get any, doesn't get any better here. I mean, at one point, I tweeted this out. I, I think it was the end of the third quarter that in the last seven quarters, Raiders game and in the first three quarters of the Patriots game, Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore had 18 carries for 22 yards over those seven quarters. I mean, and I again, we, we talk about it every week, Paul. I can't necessarily blame these guys. It seems like in terms of scheme – the holes are not there. The blocking is not there. But still, I can't can't give them any higher than a D, given given what they accomplished or did not accomplish in this game. No, I've got them in a D as well. It, it's yeah, the holes weren't there. Um, the offensive line wasn't doing great, but they really seem to have lost a step in their run blocking once they lost Josh Sitton. Then you add to that Kilgore going down in this game. Juwan James disappearing and Sam Sam Young coming in. I mean, and, and you know, I'm sorry. Every time they check Sam Young in it as eligible before Juwan James left the game. <laughs> hey, guess what, guys? We're running the ball. Everybody sell out, and they weren't doing anything exotic. And the receivers weren't getting the separation, so the Pats were really able to go one on one and dedicate everybody else to the run in most plays. Yeah, well, very well said. Let's throw it back to you on the receivers. I mean, I think last week it was the first time that you and I both graded a position at an A, and this week I have a feeling that grade's going to be a little different. I'm sticking right here with the Ds. It's Mike Gesicki should have been able to eat these guys for breakfast. He's supposed to be an athlete. I'm going to start with the tight ends here. He's supposed to be the super athletic, speedy mismatch, jump ball, blah, 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 receiver. And he's not really living up to his billing quite yet. I get that he's a rookie, but with the injuries to Derby, with the injuries to Gray, this is Gasicki's chance to shine. And, boy, is he not really being an effective factor here. I mean, you know, God, it's, it's he's just disgusting to me at this point. He really needs to step his game up and, and be that outlet because when the receivers weren't getting separation – that's where Gasicki should have been eating up the defense and forcing them to scheme towards him. And God, he just does not look the part quite yet. Hopefully he develops, but yeah. And the receivers, they weren't getting their separation and not every ball was catchable, but I've got to stick with the D for these guys. They didn't do anything to impact the game, regardless of the vanilla play calling here. I'll, I'll stick right there with the D. I mean, yeah, I'm with you there in Gasecki. I mean, I don't, I don't care how you say his name, Gasecki, Guy Sucky. I, I don't, I don't, I don't care. He is. Not, I'm sicky. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sicky. That's 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 a good way to. Yeah, I mean, because look, I'm I'm optimistic about a lot of the dolphin, the young dolphins on this team. I've got to yeah. stick with my pre-draft evaluation of Mike Mike Kosicki. I mean, I I thought his athleticism was very overrated. I didn't see that significantly on on film at at Penn State. Yeah, he would make an amazing catch once every few games, but I didn't see repeated plays that he would be able to get away with in the NFL. And I'm starting to see that too. He can't block. There's a lot of problems I see with him. At receiver, yeah, I mean, if you take out Kenny Stills's 22-yard catch on the first play from offense of the game, I believe the receivers had somewhere around 10 catches for 60 yards combined. They Danny Amendola did absolutely nothing against his old team. Stills did nothing after that 22-yard catch. That you've got to find more opportunities to get Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson involved. If you start, I will promise you this, you start moving those guys in motion at receiver, you will start to see the running game open up more. I don't know why Adam Gase can't see this. It's a long way of me saying that I'm going to give them a D as well. Offensive line, yeah, Paul. Before we get to that, though, I, I did realize while you were talking based on our pre-draft evaluations, I think until he proves otherwise, I'm going to have to refer to Gasicki as not Dallas Goddard because, God, Goddard is in a limited role up in Philly, and he's doing something with that role. I think he got his first touchdown a week or two ago. They're upset they're not getting him more involved based on what they're seeing out of him. And the way you and I both were all in on Goddard, it disgusts me even more watching Mike Gasicki out there saying he's the number one tight end in the draft. and he certainly isn't showing that yet. Yeah, and also Goddard can block better. And, yeah, I I had – we both had Goddard above. I also had Connor Williams, the guard, who would look really good right now, as well as Josh Jackson, who, God, I would love him out there more than Torrey McTire. But, hey, look, Gusecki is a rookie. Hopefully he continues to, to improve and develop. Everyone who is drafted in the second round has a chance to play well in the NFL. But right now I'm just not seeing it. I mean – yeah, we we could have, we could do a whole different show on that, but let's move along to the offensive line again. The run blocking pathetic for the second week in a row. Not definitely the definitely the offensive line's worst performance by far. Pass protection, I, I got to tell you again. I mean, I don't think it was a huge issue with pass protection in this game. I think Tannehill had a reasonable amount of time to throw. I mean, it, they, he wasn't greatly protected, but I think the bigger problem was the receivers simply were not getting open in this game. But the run blocking was really bad. Pass protection was pretty so-so. So I'm going to give this offensive line a C. I can't quite go with a C, and the reason's simple. I, I realize that Travis Swanson's a backup. He's not supposed to be thrust into a starting role. I know we've talked about the fact that Kilgore and Juwan James disappeared during this game. Uh, Kilgore due to injury, Juwan James, I'm, I'm still not sure what happened there. If he got yanked or hurt. But Travis Swanson, at a point when the Dolphins finally started to steal a little bit of momentum in this game, Travis Swanson basically stood up and and looked across the field and said, hold my beer. Walked out on the field, chucked a rocket somewhere, and and sent Tannehill chasing the ball. And, and, you know, next thing you know, it's a turnover and a 14-point swing potentially. I mean, Miami just grabbed a little bit of momentum, and Travis Swanson killed it. 
you remember last year, Jake Brendel comes in for Mike Pouncey and, and does arguably a better job. I don't care what anybody says. And, and, you know, God, we're like, oh, good, our backup center's in. This year, holy crap, I hope Kilgore's okay. Because, you know, while, while he may not be a road beater or a world beater, holy crap, Swanson looked terrible to start the game. And he, and he killed any chance at Miami getting that momentum back. So, yeah, it's for me, I'm going to go with a D plus. They did better than the rest of the offense based on all the reasons you said. But they also came in and single-handedly killed the momentum in this game in that second quarter. Yeah, I, I can't wait for Jake Brendel to come back. And I, yeah, we may have to have a huge party when Brendel comes back because we're, we're probably going to be the only ones paying attention to it. But, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, Swanson came in, did not play well, and Dan Kilgore is not very good in his own right. In fact, the first, the first drive of the game, Kilgore, uh, you know, the Dolphins have the ball at midfield. It's, I believe it's second and seven, and Kilgore gets a 10-yard penalty. The Dolphins then – do a wide receiver screen to Albert Wilson, which makes no sense. And then Matt, and then uh, Hawk shanks the punt. I mean, that's pretty much how the day went. So uh, at offensive tackle, I know Juwan James got pulled. I, I don't know if it was just because it was late in the game. Well, we'll see how that develops throughout the week. I think it's foolish if you're even considering pulling him for any reason with how great he's played every time he's got the opportunity. Laramie Tunzel had two very, very foolish penalties again, and we started to see more of the Laramie Tunzel from 2017, one of which, after the play, he goes and he just jacks the guy, and now it's second and 25 instead of second and 10. I mean, you just can't have that. And Tunzel's got to learn that, and he he's, looks like he's going to have to learn that the hard way. Uh, def- on, on the defensive side of the ball, here's, here's one thing I will say about the defense. Even though in the second and third quarters they got absolutely – killed in every way. I mean, Tom Brady has three touchdowns. Sony Michelle and James White combined for somewhere around 160 yards. I will say this, though, about, about the defense. But when you think about it, it's the beginning of the second quarter. The Dolphins are down three to nothing. Bobby McCain has an interception, and the, and the Dolphins have the ball at their own 40. And the Dolphins respond by going three and out and then three and out in the next possession, then three and out in the next possession. So the defense can only hold up for so long, but still not a very good performance here. Robert Quinn did provide some pressure early. Cameron Wake seemed, again, invisible all day. I mean, this is the second or third time that's happened throughout a game this year. Charles Harris, I don't even know if he plays anymore. I mean, <laughs> I, I did like what I saw out of Jonathan Woodard. I mean, he, he was on the field early, especially – on rundowns, it looked like they were not running toward him. They were running away from him throughout the game, which I think is a good thing. Defensive tackle, not a lot of push on the inside. Brady was very, very comfortable in the pocket all, all game. Not a good performance from the defensive line. Overall, going to give him a D plus. Well, this is going to be the first area you and I have a little bit of a disagreement. Uh, Cameron Wake, he did get some pressures. He did get a few hits on Brady in this game. He definitely had a very critical out on an island by himself stop on a third down running play. And, yeah, I I agree with you on Quinn. Quinn still looked good in this game. He got some pressures on Brady. Charles Harris got in. He did okay. He wasn't great. And while not every single one of the defensive tackles did well, Vincent Taylor continues to improve. So, 
I can go with a C-plus for this D-line. I don't think they were as dedicated to the run in this game schematically, so I'm not going to crap all over them for that. But they did generate a little bit of pass rush. The, the second defensive tackle position, or basically anybody that wasn't Vincent Taylor, really wasn't a factor in this game, unfortunately. But the defensive ends, I thought, got some pressure. I did like what I saw out of Jonathan Woodard when he got a chance. Yeah, I can stick with a C-plus for these guys. It wasn't great, but it wasn't abysmal like some other areas. I thought Brady was very, very comfortable in the pocket all game. But then again, that that's what happens a lot of times when the running backs run for 160 yards. I mean, that that tends to happen. So, But I'll tell you what, this defense of Matt Burks does not work if there is not a consistent pass rush. We saw that today with Tom Brady. Hopefully that gets cleaned up next week before the Dolphins face off against Andy Dalton. Moving to the linebacker spot, I thought Kiko Alonso was active, but and I thought Jerome Baker was a little bit active too, but just too many missed tackles from these guys from week to week to week. And when you started to see Sony Michelle really start to go off, these linebackers I, were hard to even find in the picture all the time. And needless to say, with the linebackers there, they did a good job covering Rob Gronkowski. Gronkowski only had four catches for 44 yards. I, I, th- I thought Baker Baker had a big penalty against Gronk, but that's going to happen. But still not good enough. I'm going to give them a C. I'm going to stick with my C-plus here and, and... – you said a lot of the reasons. I thought this was one of the better games we've seen out of Baker since the first preseason game. I thought he really improved his coverage in this game. I was very excited for the prospects for him for the future. And one of the things that you pointed out already, too, is when, when the offense is going three and out, 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 bad snap, three and out, and the defense is stuck on the field all day, with terrible field position, it wasn't a great day out of Matt Hawk either, so he wasn't pinning him deep here. So, you know, this defense was on the field all day. And, yeah, Rake McMillan I still think needs to improve a little bit, and there were too many missed tackles, but, Jesus, these guys, they're out there every play. And, and really in a game like this, they're out there every play. I mean, they get a chance to run over, take a quick sip of water, not even – work on the scheme or, or make adjustments and they're back out on the field. So I, I can give yeah. them a little bit of credit here and stick with a C plus. Yeah. It was like that last week too. I mean, second quarter, the Raiders put up a drive that's almost nine minutes and then they followed up in the third quarter with a drive. That's I believe that was almost 10 minutes. I mean, and you look at the jets in the second half when the dolphins won that game, the jets were on the field offensively throughout that entire second half. So it's not a good combination with that. Uh, you know, the the Dolphins' defense has tended to be a bend-but-don't-break unit where they stay out there for a little bit longer, but, hey, they're going to pressure the quarterback, they're going to get interceptions, but and they're going to stop the opposing offense when they get close to the goal line. But we didn't see that today. But we what we did see here were two interceptions. Believe it or not, there was a bright spot in this game. Bobby McCain had a great interception that I really thought was going to put the Dolphins back in the game early in the second quarter. And Mega Fitzpatrick, without question, the play of the game, the Dolphins, just a beautiful interception of Tom Brady. Okay, granted the game didn't matter at that point. But I, I really can't blame a whole heck of a lot on the secondary here. I mean, 
James White led the Patriots eight catches for 65 yards. Yeah, Philip Dorsett had a touchdown against Xavier Howard when Brady had all day to throw. It was also a great catch. Cordero Patterson gets deep when inexplicably the Dolphins send the house to Tom Brady, and he goes over the top to Patterson, makes the game 10 to nothing. But, you know, I can't really pinpoint a whole heck of a lot the secondary did wrong. Xavier Howard, again, lets up that touchdown to Dorsett. Two chicken shit penalties on him, without question, should not have been called. Anyway, I'm rambling a little bit here, but, you know, I, I've got to give the defensive backs a B. I can go with the other B. I thought Minka had a good game. He was definitely very active early in the game. And I think Xavier Howard's going to get credited with that Corderell Patterson touchdown. And, you know, for right after a BS holding penalty on Howard, which complete and total BS, especially when you watch the way that the Pats were grabbing and chucking and you name it. And you look back at, at the bogus pick play calls that were called last week on Miami. And then you look at the fact that Xavier Howard had Patterson on that play. And not only did he get picked, the guy threw a goddamn shoulder into Xavier Howard to knock him off right at the, you know, two, three yards downfield and, and just free quarter L Patterson completely. I mean, holy crap. How do you not see that from an officiating perspective? I mean, the way that they've been calling Miami for these rub plays all year, and, and that happens. I mean, it puts the Pats up 10 nothing, like you said, right after Miami had a goal line stand the drive before. So two bogus plays in, in both directions against Xavier Howard, both between the bogus holding call and then the blatant pick play. I'm not going to blame him for that. And, yeah, Dorsett got a touchdown on him. Believe it or not, he's not infallible. People are going to occasionally get a touchdown against him. It's going to happen periodically. Mm -hmm. He did a great job limiting Josh Gordon, and Minka was a big part in limiting Rob Gronkowski. I thought T.J. McDonald played well. Bobby played well until he got hurt. And then McTire, yeah, he's not a world beater, but he's also, you know, your third or fourth option at corners. So he did pretty damn well, all things considered. So, yeah, I can stick with you on the B here. I'm not a fan of McTire, but, again, he's your sixth defensive back. Or at least, well, he was your fifth in this game with with Rashad Jones out. We look forward to getting him back. I just don't understand how bad Cordray Tankersley has to be at this point to not even see any action. What happened to this guy? So, special teams, Paul. Just I, I'm a couple of weeks ago. I had I actually had Matt Hawk against the Jets as as my player of the game. I I, I think I went with another guy, but he was one of my last two for give consideration for player of the game because I thought he was that important to that victory. Since then, I don't know what's what's gotten into him, but when you when you have the ball at midfield and you punt it, they can't start out with the ball at the 23-25 yard line. It it seems like it happens way too often with Hawk and that's really the only thing to mention here with the special teams. I mean, not a lot of opportunities for Jakeem Grant to return. Uh, Cyrus Jones for the Patriots, their punt returner, broke off uh, a couple of nice run uh, returns that he probably shouldn't have had. Combined with that and with Matt Hawk, I mean, I, I don't see anything really all that great to say about the special team, so I'm going to go with a C-. minus. 
I'm going to go with a C here. I, I, I definitely was not a fan of what Hawk did in this game. It's I know he'll periodically shank one, but he makes up for it typically by booming, you know, anywhere from a 45 to 60 yarder that pins him inside the five, which totally okay with all of that. But when he's continually kicking the ball out of bounds at the 25-yard line, given the the crap call against Walt Akins for not coming back inbounds immediately, flying down the field. But, you know, it's as far as them having a couple of good returns, they had a hell of a lot of opportunities. And when you look at the kickoffs, continually hitting the end zone or out the back of the end zone. So I was okay with those. Jakeem and Danny both did an okay job with the opportunities that they got. So, yeah, Matt Hawk definitely drags us down, but I'll still give these guys a C. Let's uh, speed it up here a little bit. Uh, your, who is your player of the game? I know it's probably harder this week than in previous weeks. I'm going to have to go with Mika. I thought he played a very good game overall. He didn't let up anything big. He was a bit of a factor in the running game when he got the chance. He blew up a couple of plays, and he was a big part in limiting Rob Gronkowski. I'll go with Mika on this one. He also got his first real interception here. Yeah, it was a great play. It, the only One of the only things that put a smile on my face throughout the day. I'm going to go with the quarterback who had the other interception. That's Bobby McCain. Overall, I thought he played a very good game. Again, you know, a lot of these defensive backs, I don't have a problem with what they did. I thought a lot of plays were made in front of them. I didn't like the scheme. I didn't like the pass rush. But I didn't have a huge problem overall with the defensive backs. It's the reason why it's the only position that we have over a C, either one of us, which – kind of speaks to the day who's your uh, jackass of the game this one's easy for me and, and that's with a lot of options I'm sure you can probably guess but Travis Swanson you're sitting there waiting for an opportunity you shouldn't even have because Jake Brendel should be the backup here you get your opportunity you walk out on that field and your first freaking snap is a turnover that kills any momentum this team has. Travis Swanson is easily my jackass of the game. I don't even feel bad calling him that in this one. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys I can I can pick here. And because I can't pick the whole receiving unit, I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, even though the scheme wasn't good, the running game wasn't there, the receivers weren't getting open, 11 for 20, 100 yards, you go into Foxborough, we're expecting – this duel between Tannehill and Tom Brady and, and Tannehill ends up getting pulled at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Obviously that's not a long-term thing. Tannehill will will be starting for the rest of the year, but a game like this, he's got to take the offense. If not on his back, at least don't go three and out literally every drive for the first three quarters, you know? So he's got to get better next week. That's for sure. I mean, the dolphins still three and one, First place in the AFC, so that, that's something we've got to we've got to keep in mind here as we go along. And I'll say what I said last week too, just to end this on a positive note, is even though the Dolphins got killed by the Patriots here, if they go, if they beat the Bengals next week, a very winnable game against Cincinnati, who is a good team, but a very winnable game. Say Dolphins win and go to four and one. The three games after that, in a span of eleven games, you've got. Texans, you've got the Lions at home, and you've got the Bears at home. Not quite in that order, but you get the picture. And so if you beat Cincinnati next week, I'm going to look at the, the schedule and say, hey, you know what, we could get to the midway point and still be 6-2 and two 
and with a really good chance of making the playoffs here. So, Paul, what do you have to say about just anything positive we can take away from this or look forward to? This was a good reality check for Miami. And, and really, this is a chance to see if this team is who we were thinking they were going into this game. And I know that might sound goofy here, but this is a team that we're going to get a chance to see how they respond to adversity. Do they roll over and show their bellies or do they stand up and go, you know what, enough of that. We got that out of the way. We might've got a little bit cocky here. We might've walked in here flat. We can't do that. You know, this is a team that really has found ways to have fun playing football together. And I didn't see that in this game. And that's really been a hallmark for them through the first three games of the year. They've got an easy schedule. They still control their own destiny. And this very easily could still be a 10 to 12 win team based on the upcoming games that they have. So I hope Miami, when New England comes down to South Florida, turns around and smacks this team in the mouth after this one. I hope they are bitter. I hope they're angry. And I hope they play like it next time they play these guys. And I hope Gase learns his lesson here. You can't call a vanilla game against a good team and expect to win unless there's no salary cap and you've got everybody in the world on your team and you're playing freaking Madden and that's not what they're doing here. They need to call the game to win and Gase didn't do that today. Yeah, and they didn't get first downs because of it. That will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins' 38-7 to loss to the New England Patriots. You're listening to Cat and Paul on the Fin side. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Be sure to check out our merchandise store, too, on thefinside.threadless.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.